Welcome to the sermon podcast for New Life Church's Cabot Campus. We are located at 3400 West Main Street in Cabot, Arkansas. Our service times are Sundays at 9 a.m. and 11 a.m. To find more information about what we believe, upcoming events, and more, please visit newlifechurch.tv or you can text the word Cabot to 88,000. Hey everybody, good to see you guys. How are we doing? You doing all right? Good, good. Uh, I hope everybody had a, a great week of prayer and fasting. It was good. Uh, it was unexpected. I did not know that we needed to fast school. Uh, that wasn't one of the things. That wasn't one of the things that I was like, surely we don't, but I guess we did. And uh, so it's it cool the Lord set that up for us. Um, full services today. I don't know if that's because you guys are excited to be back at church or just couldn't wait to get out of your house. And uh, the kids' rooms are really full today, so I would guess it might be the latter. But um, we had a we had a great week. I will. I just have to confess this, and uh, and uh, my kids aren't in here, but my, Cody is in here, so I'll just go ahead and confess it right now. Um, Thursday afternoon, I said, Cody, I got to go do sermon prep. Uh, I don't ever leave that early to go do sermon prep. I spent 10 extra hours on sermon prep. Uh, so not because I felt like I really needed it, but I needed to go work on my sermon somewhere else other than my house. So uh, I'm, I'm, I am thankful though. I do think the Lord set it up to, to be able to have that week with our family. I mean, uh, and, and I think it did ultimately, like it created a good rub, I think, to be like, hey, if we're praying, we're fasting as a family, uh, but for the kids to be able to, to really do it with us, uh, I thought it was powerful. So I hope it was good for you. We're gonna, we're gonna break here in a little bit, our fast with communion as a church family. Uh, and then we have life group launch, a lot going on. We're wrapping up our series, Rooted Today. Today, I wanna talk to you about being rooted in mission and commission. If you have your Bibles, you can turn to Mark chapter two. That's gonna be our main text for today, Mark chapter two. New Life Church is in the life-changing business. That is what God has called us to do. That's our mission. It's helping lives being changed by the power of the word of God, by the power of the message of Jesus Christ and the power of his spirit. And our, our official mission statement is to reach our friends and family with the life-giving message of Jesus and to see them become fully devoted followers of Christ. And there's four ways that we lean in to people becoming fully devoted followers of Christ. First of all, we gotta make sure we're following Jesus first. And then we've gotta grow together. We have to do it together. Serve one another and then live on mission. And I, I wanna talk about some of that today because this is what we are ate up with as a church. I love hearing stories of people in our church that are living out this mission. Uh, I even heard a few stories this last week. One story I heard, a member of our church saw a lady out walking on, a, on one of the snowy days, very cold outside, on the side of the road walking. They pulled over. They said, are you, are you okay? Do you need? She's like, well, my car's not working right now, but I'm walking to McDonald's to get my kids some breakfast. And so they picked her up. Drove her, and, and McDonald's was not on their way. It was out of their way. And they picked her up, drove her to McDonald's, but didn't just drop her off. They went in, bought food for her, then took her back to her family, made sure the whole family was fed, and then invited them to church. And I think the order of that 
is really, really important. And we're going to talk about that. Paul said it like this. Romans 1.9, I serve God by spreading the good news about his son. But how? And why is that important? Why is it important that that is the primary focus of our mission? It's important because only 11% of the world population professes to know Jesus. 11% of the world population. So let me demonstrate that through an illustration. Uh, how many of y'all like Mexican food? Anybody like Mexican food? I'm thinking a lot about food right now. I just, I don't know why. I just am. I'm just thinking a lot about it. Uh, we love Mexican food, love Mexican food. And uh, one of our favorite Mexican food places is actually down in Hot Springs. It's called Rolando's. And if you've ever been there, it's downtown on the kind of the main street down there. Uh, and it's, it's, it's really good. But if, if you went out here on the, the front patio of our church building and you begin lining up people heel to toe, heel to toe, heel to toe, and you continue that line all the way down to Rolando's on Main Street Hot Springs, that line would be just over 375,000 people long. That's how long that would be. But if you took all the people who don't know Jesus, maybe have never even heard of Jesus, people that if they died today, they would spend eternity away from God in a place not created for them, in a place created for Satan and his demons, utter darkness, no hope. The Bible says a place where there is gnashing of teeth. I don't know what that's like, but I know if something's causing you to do, if you're doing that for eternity, it's not pleasant. But if you took those people, and let's just say we started at the same place, right out here on the front patio, and you line them up the same way. Well, that line would go all the way from here to San Francisco, then across the Pacific Ocean to Hong Kong, then across those continents, all the way to London, England, and then all the way across the Atlantic Ocean. And it would make its way back to here, not just once, not five times, not 10 times, but 32 times around our planet. That's how many lost people there are. And we believe that God has called us and it is our mission to cut in on that line at every place that we possibly can. And by the power of the Spirit, an unwavering attachment to his word, rescue people, rescue people. That's what he's called us to do. Most people go through life not knowing heaven and hell are real. The eternity is real. And we are on mission and have been commissioned local, state, nation, and globally to do everything we can to make sure they know the truth and that we bring it to them the way that Jesus would do it. On a global perspective, I got to hear a testimony recently. We had a team go out from one of our campuses to Peru, and while they were there, 
they were able to lead five witch doctors to Jesus. And I just want to let you know, because I've encountered these people before, I've encountered witch doctors before, I just want to let you know, God is on the move. His spirit is moving across the face of the earth. I, 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 and I believe it is the setup, and I believe it is the prelude to Christ's return. I do believe that. But we are seeing people across our state, certainly at other churches, but just at our 18 locations across the state, every single weekend we are, we are seeing people come to Jesus. Every single weekend. At our campus alone in 2023, we had 609 people make decisions to follow Jesus. Come on. God's good. And, and through that, we had 158 people go public with their faith through water baptism. Across our state, at our, all of our locations, we had 1,209 baptisms this last year in 2023. Can we praise his name for that? Isn't he good? This is a huge verse, I think, that talks about this. In Philippians 1.27, remember always to live as Christians should so that you're able to stand side by side with strong purpose to tell the good news. But, but if you read through that, I want you, you could look at that and you could circle a couple things, your Bible apps or even on your notes. You could circle a couple things. You could circle to live. We're first and foremost to live the Christian life. And then the second thing is to tell. To tell, to tell the good news, which really just means be ready to tell what God has done for you. Be ready to share your testimony. And then it says side by side. We're to live the good news in such a way that we earn the platform, the relationship, the influence to then be able to tell the good news. And then we're to do it with others side by side. So the story that we're going to focus on, the main text in the scripture this morning, it's so important. It's mentioned in three different accounts in the Gospels, Matthew 9, Mark 2, and Luke 5. And we're going to look at Mark chapter 2, starting in verse 1. <clears throat> when Jesus returned to Caper Capernaum, several days later, the news spread quickly that he had come back home. Soon the house where he was staying was so packed with visitors there was no more room, even outside the door. While he was preaching God's word, four men arrived carrying a paralyzed man on a mat. They couldn't bring him to Jesus because of the crowd, so they dug a hole through the roof above his head. Then they lowered the man on his mat right down in front of Jesus. Seeing their faith, Jesus said to the paralyzed man, my child, your sins are forgiven. But some of the teachers of religious law who were sitting there thought to themselves, what is he saying? This is blasphemy. Only God can forgive sins. Jesus knew immediately what they were thinking. So he asked them, why do you question this in your hearts? Is it easier to say to the paralyzed man, your sins are forgiven, or stand up, pick up your mat, and walk? So I will prove to you that the Son of Man has the authority on earth to forgive sins. Then Jesus turned to the paralyzed man and said, stand up, pick up your mat, and go home. And the man jumped up 
I love that part. Like for me, it's like, like how many of y'all, it's weird that after 40, you make a noise every time you sit down or stand up. Like before, I don't ever remember. I was like, it's like the day I turned 40, it's like, what? Why? I, I don't know why I made that noise. It's like all movement is hard. Think about this. When Jesus heals, he heals completely. So this guy wasn't like, man, I got him. Whew. Been paralyzed my whole life. Gonna have to stretch this one out. He jumped straight up. He jumped up, grabbed his mat, and walked out through the stunned onlookers. They were all amazed and praised God. Now, I don't know. It says all. So I'm wondering, like, at that point, did even the religious legalistic people be like, we were wrong? Whoops. I don't know. They were all amazed and praised God, exclaiming, we've never seen anything like this before. So we can learn a lot from this story about being on mission and the commission. First of all, I must love on a higher level. They became concerned with their hurting friend. And this is the principle of real, true, godly love. Every mission has to flow out of love first. I don't care what you've accomplished or what you've done in life, even the things that you think that you've done for God, if you didn't do it in love, the word says it doesn't count for anything. It has to flow out of love. What does real love look like? I can think of a lot of examples. I remember during the tornado, we encountered one family who were unbelievers, agnostics. And I remember hearing their account of saying, right after the tornado, Within hours, it was like a red sea of T-shirts came on to our yard and came to our house. And they said there were some people that were running chainsaws and other people were helping pick up clutter on the yard and other people in our house and trying to pick up stuff where trees came through and, and all these different things. And, and then they said, and then they started bringing us food and meals. And, and then... We thought that has to, that's, that's got to be it, but, but our electricity was out. And when it finally came on, all of our food was spoiled. This is days after. And when some of those people from our church heard about that, they went and packed a cooler full of meat and food and brought it to them. I don't know. I, I never heard if they actually ever even invited them to come to church yet but they did the most important thing first. They showed and demonstrated real, godly, sacrificial love. And it has to start there. First Corinthians talks to us about this right there in the first verse. The second part of it says, if you have not love, if I don't have love, I'm just a sounding brass or a tinkling cymbal. Other translations says, a clanging gong and cymbal. Clanging gong and cymbal. Right before that, it talks about that if I have spiritual gifts, specifically it talks about tongues. If I have the gift of tongues, but I don't love, it's annoying to God. Have you ever bought your kids a gift that they wind up using for something it wasn't intended to be used for? 
You ever given them something and they don't use it the way it's supposed to be intended? Isn't that annoying? You see, God gets annoyed when he gives good gifts to us, but then it becomes about the gift and we forget to love. The love is the most important thing. And the fact is, if you are loving like Christ's love, you have to be receiving Christ's love simultaneously to be able to give it. It is this pour in, pour out principle. And it is as you do that, that the greater things, the gifts of God follow. But it starts with Christ-like love. God uses people around here all the time to demonstrate this. And I could give a lot of stories. I remember one in particular, one of our serve teams found out that one of their members was without a vehicle. And so they, as a serve team, got together, pulled their resources, not me, not the church, their biblical community that they found in their serve group, pulled their money, got resources together and bought that team member a car and took care of them. That's love. That's demonstrating it. It's sacrificial. Here's what I know. We have got to love people like crazy this year. One of the things that we said this last year, and it still applies, we have to have immovable convictions. We are not going to ever stray away from the word of God. We have to have immovable convictions and shocking love. Shocking love. Like, I can't believe they're loving me like this. This doesn't even make sense. It should almost like, it should shock them. Right before service started, I walked up here and Cody was getting, we were getting ready to start service and I did a sneak attack kiss on her cheek. But I shocked her because I'd been rubbing my feet on the carpet. So she's like, ah. I was like, see, shocking love. I'm already demonstrating it. The disciples made 31 major mistakes over the course of their time with Jesus and their ministry. We know because we count them, 31 major mistakes while doing ministry with Jesus, after the resurrection, even after the Holy Spirit was given to them. Why is it important to recognize that? Because even with all those mistakes, Jesus taught him first and foremost how to love. And he said, it's gonna be your love for each other that demonstrates that you've been with me. That's what he said. Your love for each other. And because they understood that love, they changed the world. Imperfect people giving away perfect love. That's who God's called us to be. Number two, I must believe on a higher level. I must believe on a higher level. So this is the principle of faith. Luke 5, 20. When Jesus saw their faith, everybody say their, their faith, he said, friend, your sins are forgiven. Whose faith is Jesus talking about? The friends. The friends. He's not talking about the paralyzed man's faith. I don't know about you, but I am thankful for the people that God has placed in my life over the course of my life that had faith for me even when I had none for myself. 
I'm thankful that at 13 years old, a part of a divorced, broken family with all kinds of emotional and social issues, getting ready to have to move again, a lady named Lori Ingalls sat me down, looked straight in my eyes and said, God has a call on your life and you're gonna lead people. And I wanna let you know, I had no faith for that in that moment. I'm thankful for people like Lane Trance that even when I was homeless and living in a classroom at a church, that I went to his life group, the first life group I ever went to and built relationship and he sat me down one time and he said, I know there's a lot in your life that is a mess and I know that you've got a lot of things that you're working through, but I believe and I can see the call of God on your life and you're gonna lead and influence people for God's kingdom. And I'm thankful because I didn't have faith for that in that moment. I didn't see it. And I'm thankful for so many other people. It's just, I can't even explain to you how good God's hand has been that in some of the most difficult seasons of my life, I had relationships and I had friends that would join their faith together and let me borrow some of it because I didn't have any. I'm thankful for Pastor Rick. He's always believed, I can't believe he lets me do this. I don't, I messed up. I'm really thankful for Bobby Hamilton that as they were sitting around a table and trying to figure out who was gonna be the campus pastor here in Cabot, that even though I was plugged in and, and doing something else in the church and had another ministry, that he said, I think James Bennett could do it. I wanna let you know when Pastor Rick called me and asked me to do it, I was like, uh, the Lord told me I had to be obedient and be willing, but I didn't have any faith that I could do it. I'm thankful that people have had faith. And here's the thing. I hope you have some friends around you that have spiritual faith for you that can lift you up when you need it. And that is why it's imperative that you find biblical community, that you have a life group, that you have a serve group, that you have your people, because we cannot pastor you. I cannot pastor you on Sunday morning like these friends pastored their friend on a mat. And at one point or another, you will have a mayday. You're gonna have a mayday. You're gonna have a mayday that can't wait for Sunday. And you're gonna need some friends then, in that moment that can pastor you, pray for you, prop you up. You have to make friends that you need though before you need the friends that you made. In other words, you're gonna need some friends to carry you in a season. You need to make those relationships now so that you're not in a moment of crisis. Here's the thing, if you don't do it, if you let everything that I'm saying pass through one ear and out the other, guess what? When you find yourself in tragedy, guess what? We're still gonna pick you up. We're still gonna love you. We're still gonna do anything we can. I would say though, it's so much better when you're not put in a position where you have to make an awkward phone conversation to somebody that you really don't have a lot of relationship with to say, I'm in trouble, versus 
I know exactly who to call. I know who my tribe is. I know who my people are. I, I might put it on Facebook at some point, but you know what? I don't even have to because I know who my people are. I don't have to put unspoken prayer requests on Facebook because I know exactly who I can tell my exact specific prayer need to because I have my people. I've got my people. There are many, many people in your life that are just like this friend on a mat. They're paralyzed. They don't have faith at all. Not because they're not believers, but but because they just are in a tough spot. And it's gonna be your faith, hopefully combined with some other people's faith, that bring them to Jesus. By the way, a paralyzed friend is a great person to invite to a life group. A great person to invite to come alongside and serve with you. There's a lot of paralyzed people. Paralyzed by fear. Paralyzed by guilt. Something that happened in their past and the shame of it just is not, it's got a grip on them. They're paralyzed by it. Paralyzed by resentments. People have hurt them. Paralyzed by boredom. Apathy. Complacency, they're paralyzed by loneliness, paralyzed by grief, paralyzed by offense. Somebody did something that ticked them off or hurt their feelings, and it is still controlling their emotions. They're paralyzed. There's a lot of paralyzed people around you right now that are going to need your faith. Your faith is going to have to bring them to Jesus. It says they believe that Jesus could do anything and would save their friend. So they brought him to Jesus. Hebrews 7, 25, it says, Jesus is able now and always to save those who come to him, to come to God through him. Number three, I must serve on a higher level. Matthew 9, 2. They brought to Jesus a man who was paralyzed, lying on a mat. And this is the principle of servanthood and persistence because I want you to think about everything these guys went through. It says they tore a hole in the roof. Could you imagine that scenario playing out right here, right now? First of all, you would know somebody was on our roof because this roof is so loud even when heavy raindrops fall on it. So it it would sound like there's there's a herd of deer walking across the roof. Right, and then all of a sudden, just hear banging and you know, just whatever. And and I could you imagine what our security team would do? Like they've been waiting for this moment their whole lives. They're like, oh, it's on, it is on. And I'd be like, please don't shoot the paralyzed man. Uh, no, he wouldn't do that. He wouldn't do that. But think about it. Think about everything these guys went through. Because here's the thing: they didn't have social media. And we're like, oh, did you guys see on TikTok? Jesus is back home. Let's go check it out. Hey, bro. Yo, Jesus is back. We should get our buddy over there. He's paralyzed, you know. No, they just heard. Word of mouth. I don't know how far they had to carry. Have you ever carried dead weight before? Like, it's one thing if you're carrying a body that's functioning, but it's a completely different thing when they're, they're not moving at all. So they're carrying this too, but here's what I do know. They didn't bring any tools with them. They weren't like, well, we're probably gonna have to dig through the roof. 
No, they didn't know that. They just got there and realized we've got some obstacles, but we're not going to give up. And so they get their friend on the roof and then they improvise. They're just like, I'm, find whatever you can find. We're going to get through to Jesus. And it was hard clay that was supported by sticks and branches. I imagine these guys are, are digging with their hands, like bloody fingernails, just come on, don't give up. Do whatever it takes. And I'm wondering, can we be the kind of church that will get through any obstacle and do whatever it takes to get people to Jesus? Well, I do know this, there's a lot of people around here that they do it every single Sunday. They do everything they can to remove every single obstacle to give people an opportunity to experience the presence of God, to come to Jesus. They're on our serve teams. They greet and they usher and they serve coffee and they receive your children they will take your screaming child, bloody murder, screaming. They'll take them, not with a, oh, here we go, but with a, it's, it's gonna be all right. We got this. Don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. You go focus on what you need to get from God. The people that run production and get the sound right, you know what a feedback on a mic sounds like? Okay, you, you, you know, like what, I just want to tell you, we have some of the most gifted, anointed people around that help remove obstacles, remove distractions so that people can come to Jesus. Our worship team can very easily make it about them very easily be a distraction and put on a show. They point towards Jesus. We got people that fight for souls in any way that they can to make sure that someone can get to Jesus. The truth is some barriers are external. That's why we've got to create some space so that that doesn't become a barrier. So that our kids' rooms don't get too full so that we also remove the barrier of families that have kids with special needs that have had those barriers for so long they can't come to church. We got to remove that barrier so they can come. But most barriers are not external, they're internal. They're things happening on the inside of people And we've got to address those two. Fears and resentment, inferiority, past hurts, church hurt, shame, anxiety, just the lies that the enemy is telling them constantly, labels, fear of rejection, fear that because of the sin that they did deal with or are currently dealing with, lifestyle choice, something like that, that they can't come. 
Barna Institute did a study. It showed that 80% of people make a decision whether or not they're going to come back to a church within the first seven minutes of driving onto the parking lot. Within seven minutes, they've already made the decision if they're going to come back to a church. They haven't heard any of the worship. They haven't heard one minute of a sermon. And they've already made the decision. How? Mr. Bill. You go through five layers of greeting. We have made it a mission that no one can ever come to our church and say, no one said hi to me. Like if you come to our church and nobody said hi to you, you found a side door somewhere and you are intentionally sneaking in. You're a ninja. Because smiling faces, people that are genuine in their love, serve coffee, take care of kids. Whether people understand it or not, they're looking for a place to belong, not a place to go to. And they're not looking for a place to go to. They're looking for a people to be connected to. So that's why our serve teams are so important. We want to create a barrier-free environment so that people can hear the gospel in the presence of God. And it changed them. I believe that we're going to see God move this year. I believe he's already doing it. Can you sense the atmosphere is different, even in this room, even during worship? Uh, no, it's not, it's not coincidence that we just finished the week of prayer and fasting. Because he says, hey, I'll draw near to anyone that draws near to me. If you just make any step. If we serve God side by side with one another, we are going to see God do some stuff. Galatians 6, 9 says, so let, let's not get tired of doing what is good. Because at just the right time, we're going to reap a harvest, a blessing, if we don't give up. But it takes work. You know what it's like? planting a harvest. Well, now they've got like, like robots that'll do some of this work for you. But like, I've actually put my hand to a plow before, like behind a donkey. It is hard work. It's not easy. The plowing is a part of our responsibility. It's work. It's us demonstrating our trust because at the point of plowing, you don't see the harvest. And then what's next? Then you got to plant seeds. What's the planting the seeds? It's getting people into the presence of God. That's planting seeds. It's getting people who are disconnected, unchurched, dechurched, Gnostic, atheist, struggling in sin, addicted, whatever it is, it's getting them close to the presence of God. That's sowing the seeds. But guess what? Once you've plowed and once you've planted, the rest is up to God. But you've got to bring them. How many of y'all, you have a family that you dance? The family dances? How many of y'all? You're not going to admit it in church. You're like, oh, is this a dancing church? It's a dancing church. You can raise your hand. Okay. Uh, 
Here's the thing. If there's any family that does dance, what I do know is this. There's always one family member that's the initiator. They're the initiator, right? They're the ones like, I don't know that I want to dance. But then they're like, come on. Dance. Let's do it. Let's dance. All right? That's Cody in our family. I know that's shocking. You thought it was me, but no, it's Cody. And, uh, and that's just the way it works. Like, she'll get going, and then she'll get the rest of the family going. But Cody and I, we like to dance. And so if we're ever, like, if there's a dance floor, and I'm not saying, you know, y'all, y'all can be legalistic and religious if you want. I don't, we don't do inappropriate stuff, but we like to dance, okay? And so if there's ever a dance floor, and, and here's the thing. Most guys, I'm like you. I, I'm not going to be like, I'm not like, go out on the dance floor by myself, like, yeah, all right? No, she brings me. She brings me. She grabs me by the hand, all right, and then she, you know, does a little dance, going out on the dance floor, and I want to let you know my wife can dance, dance, all right, and I'm not pretending like it's a little bit of a humble brag because I can dance a little myself, you know, they don't call me liquid hips for nothing, all right, (laughs) you know. I would demonstrate, but I would violate my contract, and I can't do that. But this is how it works. She'll she'll bring me out there, and and we'll be dancing. We'll be doing a little something-something, and then all of a sudden, she'll do one of these moves. She'll just walk away from me. She'll just be gone. It was very concerning early on in our marriage. I'm like, is this how she's going to leave me? Like, is this it? She's gone? But then I, then I realized what happens is it's, it's a dance move. She's boomerang dancing. She's going to go out. She's going to dance all the way around, and eventually she'll come back to me. And then I won't be insecure up there. <laughs> What's my point? God has called us to be initiators. Sometimes you're going to have to influence people to come to the dance floor. I would encourage you, once you get them there, don't leave them. (laughs) Once you're able to invite them and once you're able to bring them, don't just invite them, get them here and then be like, all right, deuces, I hope you figure it out. Great church, you're going to enjoy it. No, you walk with them. Stick with them. Not that you're going to have to be best friends for the rest of your life, but you help them find their place. You help them find their people. And if we will do that, plow the field, spread the seed, the Holy Spirit will work through us to bring the water. Only God can make it grow. But he's faithful. Close your eyes, bow your heads. Thank you for your faithfulness, Father. I think there's some, somebody in this room right now. That's what's happened. One way or another, there's been plowing that has happened around your life. Well, the Lord has been using people and using situations and circumstances in the soil of your heart. And here you are right now, you're sitting in this place. And 
I can't help but think that the Holy Spirit has been kind of raining his presence down on you, softening the hard exterior, the seed of your heart. That the Holy Spirit, he is the definition of a gentleman and he will never force his way into anything or anyone. Word says, I stand at the door and knock. And if you'll just answer it, I'm gonna come in and be with you and you with me. So if there's anyone in this room, it's like, I'm not with him and I need to be. I know I'm away from him. I don't have a relationship with Jesus and I know that I need one. I'd love to pray with you. And I'd invite you just to admit it as a sign of confessing that you would say, hey, I, I need Jesus, I need to call on him. I'm gonna ask you just to do something of your own free will. No one's gonna force you. And I'm not gonna make you feel any one way or another about it, but I wanna give you a chance just to confess it. The word says that if you will believe in your heart and confess with your mouth, there's a confession that's important to happen because it releases faith in you. If you're here and you're ready to confess that you need Jesus, you're away from him. I'm gonna ask you to put your hand up right now. Nobody's looking at you. I wanna know who I'm praying with and I just wanna confirm you're making this decision between me, you and the Lord. As soon as we make eye contact and put your hand down, I got you, bro. Anyone else? I need to call on Jesus as my Lord and Savior. I'm away from him. Got you. Thank you. Anyone else? I need to call on Jesus as my Lord and Savior. Yes, ma'am. Thank you. Anyone else? Thank you. I'm ready to surrender to him. I got you, God. Good to see you. Anyone else? Okay. Okay. I haven't surrendered my life to Jesus and I'm ready to surrender right now. Thank you. Thanks for being brave. Anyone else? I'm away from Jesus. I need to call on him. Okay. Yeah, both of you. Thank you. This is kind of that moment in my mind, the Lord gave me the picture of that's like when that seed first breaks open for the first time. Anyone else? I'm ready to call on Jesus. You raising your hand is not what gets you saved, but I know that it'll help you. I got you, bro, right here. Thank you. just want to give it one more moment. How many of y'all know we don't have to rush in the presence of God? Anyone else? I know I need to surrender my life to Jesus. I've believed in him, but I haven't surrendered to him and I haven't made him the Lord of my life. And I need to do that. Father, thank you for meeting with us and specifically meeting with every person that just confessed that they need to call on you. 
And I know that as soon as they made the decision in your heart, you were already doing the work, but then as soon as they voluntarily, just out of an act of obedience, raised their hand, it's like, yes, yes. And I thank you, Lord, that today is the beginning of a process where they're gonna grow and grow roots. <laughs> and ultimately they're gonna produce much fruit for you. If you raise your hand, simple prayer, say, Jesus, I believe in you. I confess that I'm a sinner. I believe that you died on the cross for my sin and I ask for your forgiveness. I believe that you rose from the grave so that I can have eternal life in heaven with you, but also so that I can fulfill my purpose now. That I can fulfill that purpose because sin has been defeated and I can live life without guilt and shame, and condemnation, not without mistakes, but I thank you that with all my mistakes, there's still more than enough grace. And every day I can come to you and your mercies are new every morning that every day I can walk out forgiveness. I can walk out my purpose in you. I love you and I surrender to you. I want my life to be controlled by your spirit, held by the standard of your word, deeply connected with other believers. Lord, I thank you for those decisions. We love you in Jesus' name. Amen.